Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So this morning I want to begin my message by reading two verses of Scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, and we are going to read from the Passion Translation. The title of my message is Values to Consider. Values to Consider. For you know, Peter says, that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. The value of something is always determined by the price that is paid to purchase it. Would you agree with me? The price that is paid establishes its value. Well, our worth and value was established by God himself by the price that he paid to purchase our redemption. Can you say amen to that? Peter said that we were redeemed or bought back to God not by corruptible things such as silver and gold that perishes, but by what? By the precious blood of Christ, God's own Son, who like a spotless and unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. Just think of the price that was paid for you and I. God paid the highest and most costly price in order to redeem us from sin and death and to bring us back to fellowship with himself. If you want to know how valuable you are and how loved you are, don't ask a human being. Ask God himself who created you and who purchased your redemption. Because nobody knows your value or your worth like the way the Lord knows. Not even you yourself. God speaking through Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 43 and verse 4, Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored. And I have loved you. This is God speaking. This is not man speaking. Listen to these words and let them sink down deep down into your spirit. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. 
The psalmist said, listen to this, Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. Every single moment, the psalmist now is speaking to God, and he says to him, every single moment, you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Wow. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake every morning, you are still with me. Imagine that, if you will. Can you imagine that? The psalmist also said, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would consider him? That's how precious, that's how valuable you and I are to God, that he's thinking of you and I every single moment of the day. That's how valuable we are. So when we realize our value, we will treat ourselves and others with honor, with much respect, and dignity. Did you hear that? When we truly have a realization or a revelation of how valuable we are to God, we will treat ourselves as well as others with honor, with respect, and with dignity. Regardless of the color of the skin, their nationalities, their cultures, their position and status, or lack of it. I believe, this is my personal conviction, that the number one reason people trash themselves as well as others and waste their lives is because they don't know their true value or their worth and how much God loves them. You see, here is the principle. And you may want to write this down in your mind or in your notebook and remember it well. When value and worth is not known or realized, waste and abuse is inevitable. I want to say that again because that is a profound statement that I'm giving you. When value and worth is not realized or known, waste and abuse is inevitable. Listen to what Bill Johnson said in one of his statements. He said that the single greatest reality in every person's life is this unimaginable, uncomprehendable, extreme expression of the love of God that is reserved just for you. And not to live in the reality of it, it is to live in the reality of the inferior in its place. Everything in life, he said, is to be measured by the most important thing. If he gave his son and if he went to that kind of an extreme, certainly 
He would provide everything else for you that is less than that. When you truly believe that with all of your heart, there is no room for fear. There is no room for worry. There is no room for anxiety in your life because you know you have a heavenly Father who looks after you, who loves you so very, very much, and He will go to the extremes to make sure that you are protected, you are provided for, you are looked after, and you are cared for. So why, why must I worry? Why must I be anxious? This will eliminate all anxiety from our lives if we truly believe that. Not with our head, but with our heart. So realize your worth. Realize how valuable you are, how much God loves you. And remember the price that was paid for your redemption. And treat yourself with honor, respect, and dignity. And of course, when you get to value yourself, you will learn to value others. Jesus said that you would love others as you love yourself. Amen? So if we don't, love, if we don't realize how valuable we are, if we don't truly honor and respect and love ourselves, how are we going to love anybody else? Amen? So recognize this precious value in all people and show it through our thoughts, through our words, and through our actions. Amen? And this is God speaking to you this morning. This is what he put on my heart to tell you this morning, that you are precious in his sight, that you are so valuable that he paid such a high and extreme price in order to redeem you and to bring you back to himself and enjoy fellowship with you. God loves your presence and he desires to walk with you, to talk with you, and to fellowship with you throughout the day. Not just when you are on your knees and not just when you are in church. Every single moment of the day. That's how much he loves you. And when we realize, truly realize that, we will walk with our heads high, not with pride, but with great humility. You know, I've realized that, and I've seen this often, young men and women, when they don't have that healthy self-worth or self-esteem, they will latch on to anybody. They're not choosy who they relate to, who they will walk with. They just, because they don't value themselves. Are you listening to me? Now, let me come to another value, which I believe, by and large, we minimized in some ways and diminished as a result of a lack of wisdom and lack of revelation knowledge. And that is the value of our new birth in Christ Jesus. The rebirth when we got born again. What really happened? What really took place when you received Christ into your life? And as the scripture says, you were born not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but you were born of God from above. What really happened? And that's what I want to primarily talk to you about. 
Because I believe in some ways we have minimized this greatest miracle that God has done in our lives. In the eyes of God, listen carefully, and it should be in our own eyes, there is no greater miracle than a new birth. None greater. No physical healing, no financial blessing, and no other deliverance of any kind can outrank your new birth in Christ Jesus. That is the greatest of all the miracles that God has done in our lives. When He gave you the new birth and recreated your spirit man in Christ Jesus. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. And it tells us exactly what happened when we got born again. And I'm going to read it from two versions, the New King James Version and the Passion Translation. The New King James says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Can I see your hands of those who are in Christ, please? That's speaking to you. If anyone is in Christ, he is or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's not talking about your body. He's talking about the real you, the man on the inside. Paul calls him the, the, the inward man. Peter calls him the hidden man of the heart or the spirit. He's talking about your spirit man, the real you. You are a spirit being because you and I are created in the image and likeness of God. We have a soul and we live in this physical body. Your body is not you. It's the house that you and I live in. Without this earthly suit, we cannot live on the earth. And that's why the moment we put off this earthly suit, we can't remain here. We have to go into another realm, the realm of the Spirit. So when he's saying all things have become new, he's talking about your spirit man, the real you, the hidden man of the heart. And he says, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The Passion Translation says, now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Another translation says, an entire new species that never existed before. Are you listening to me? That's who you are in Christ. A new creation. Someone new. Entirely new. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. New dreams. New hopes. Hallelujah. Thank God. God gave me a new dream when I got born again. He gave me a new purpose. He gave me a meaning for my life. How can I consider that as a least and magnify everything else above the new birth? 
I fear that not many of us realize the preciousness or the value of our redemption in Christ. Now, you may say, Pastor, how can you make such a statement? What do you base this on? I'll tell you what I'm basing it on. On the many testimonies that I've heard over a period of 46 years that I have walked with God. Most of the testimonies I have heard through all of these years, they have been testimonies of either physical healing, a financial blessing, or some kind of a promotion at work. Hello? Please say amen if you agree with me. We make so often such fuss about all of these material things that in the light of the new birth, they are the smallest of all the blessings that God has given us. When you compare them with the greatness of the miracle that took place in your life when you received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. And I believe that few of us have truly received the revelation of how great a miracle we received when God's grace and mercy saved us by rescuing us from the power of darkness, from the dominion of darkness, and translated us and brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son, adopting us into His own family, calling us His own sons and daughters in Christ. We are children of the living God, children of the King. And when we fully realize that, we will walk with such honor and dignity and respect and holy reverence. Amen. Family, listen to me. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. I'm reminded now of something I read in a book many years ago. This person was condemned to hang, uh, to die through hanging. And this this happened in England many years ago. And as he walked to the place of execution, the minister behind him was reading something in the Bible and talked about eternal judgment and punishment and hell. So the guy who was condemned to die, walking to his execution, turned around and said to him, Preacher, if I believe what you say you believe, and if England were covered in broken glass, I would crawl on my knees just to save one single soul from this terrible hell that you're speaking about. That's why I say, folks, there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And it's time that we give proper due and realization and begin to appreciate more than anything else our new birth in Jesus Christ. Why do we so often put so much emphasis on the material rather than the spiritual? I'll tell you why. Because we are so focused, trained to be so focused on external appearance. 
so focused on the physical things, we fail to realize that we are eternal spirits created by God himself to live and walk with him throughout eternity. Hello. Did you know that your spirit man will never die? We've passed from death unto life, John says. Why? Because we love the brethren. We've been born again. And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which was given unto us. You're never going to die. Amen. Are you listening to me? And if you are Christ's, you're going to live with Christ throughout all eternity. This life is so temporary. James says, for what is your life? It is just a little vapor that appears for a while, then it vanishes away. Hello? That's our life here on this earth. And while we have this life on this earth, let us make the best of it. And God has given us a second chance when he recreated us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And listen to me. We are no longer sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. But the grace and the mercy of God saved us and made us new creations in Christ Jesus. And the new creation in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, is righteous and holy and without blame. Are you listening to this? Wow. Your recreated human spirit, if you had eyes to see him, looks exactly like Jesus. Your inward man, the man on the inside, looks exactly like the Lord Jesus Christ because he was created in the image of Christ. Are you looking at me like... um, (laughs) Do you really believe that? That's why I say we're so focused on the external, on the physical... And in doing so, we miss the greatest reality. We see each other, but what do we really see when we look at each other? Huh? Your height, the color of your hair, whether you're young or old, what car you drive, what house you live in, and we categorize people according to that, what color you are, what culture you are, and so on and so forth. Listen to me. You are much more than that. (laughs) You are much more than what you look like. I'm trying to really help you to rejoice this morning and be encouraged. Amen. You couldn't be more righteous or holy even if you tried than you are right now on the inside of you. That's why the word says, he that is born of God does not sin. Your inward man, your spirit man does not sin, doesn't want to. It's the outward man that we have a problem with. Amen. 
We were born, the Scripture says, in Adam into the human race and thus inherited his sinful nature. But thank God, let's not stop there. We were reborn in Christ, and through him we were born into the heavenly race. And we were made righteous and holy and without blame in God's sight. That's how God looks at you and me. And how I pray to the Father in heaven, Lord, grant us a greater revelation of the miracle of our new birth. Lord, give us a a realization that is greater than what we have had. Increase my revelation knowledge and let me know deep down in my heart what you really did for me when you recreated me in Christ Jesus and made me a new creation. Help me to see all of the blessings and all of the benefits and all of the inheritance that I have received simply because you have made me your very own child. May God open our eyes to see. And when that happens, when we truly see, we will celebrate and rejoice every single day over our salvation just thinking about it. Just thinking about what God has done for you when he recreated you in Christ. It will bring so much joy to your heart. It will bring peace to your mind. And you cannot but thank and praise God every single moment of the day. Hallelujah. We will consider nothing greater than our salvation. And in response to that, not only we will be so grateful and so thankful to God, but we will be inspired and motivated to reach out and touch someone else with the gospel of Christ and share this wonderful news of what truly happened to us with our neighbors, our colleagues, our bosses, our employees, and whosoever wants to hear. Amen? Remember, King David said in his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, he cried out to God saying, Restore to me, O God, the joy of your salvation. And I believe that's what we really need. Lord, restore to us the joy of being born again, the joy of thy great salvation. Remember when you first got born again? You had so much joy, and everybody could see it on your face. What happened to you? Uh, I got born again. It was with me that way. People could see it. What happened to you? I got born again. Thank God forevermore. And and, and David says, when you restore to me the joy of your salvation, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Just your joy will attract people to you. Amen. Amen. Listen, Jesus speaking of the woman who washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. Remember that incident in the Bible? You read it? Let's look at it. Luke 7, 47. Jesus said, she has been forgiven of all her many sins. That is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Listen, 
extravagant love towards the Lord and others is shown by those who received the revelation of how much they have been forgiven. Are you listening? But as Jesus said, that those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will also love very little. Beloved, let us beware that we don't find ourselves in that same category, thinking that we have been forgiven very little. If we do, then we have not fully realized the depravity of our lost and our cursed nature and the wrath that awaited us without the mercy and the grace of God who fought and rescued us from eternal damnation. Are you listening to me? He said, I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say or be disturbed. When such little is realized, little is our love and appreciation towards our Savior and the great salvation he wrought for us. Lately, I wake up every morning spending hours in the very early hours of the morning in the presence of the Lord and just doing nothing but thanking God for saving me, thanking God for filling me with his life, thanking God for giving me a purpose and thanking God for giving me his peace. I don't ask for anything. I just sit before his presence and I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you've recreated me. Thank you that you put your spirit and your love within me. Thank you that you filled me with your peace. I remember the days when I was filled with anxiety and stress and fear and anguish and bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness. All that is gone. And I thank you that you fill me with your peace and your life. Thank you for giving me purpose and meaning to my life so I can get up in the morning and I know that I'm not here by accident. I'm here to be a blessing to you and to my family and to all those around me. And you know what? I've realized more and more each day as I do that that I don't want anything more than this. I am satisfied in the presence of God and what he's already done for me. I'm fulfilled just being in his presence, worshiping him and telling him how much I love him. And that's when I began to realize that the more thankful I become of my new birth, the more appreciative I become, then I realize 
the greater the revelation I receive of what a wonderful Savior we have. You know, if you don't value something, it diminishes. Are you listening to me? If you don't appreciate what you have, you will end up losing it. Amen. Thanking God for this great and wonderful miracle in your life is the greatest thing that God has given you. As I sat the other day in his presence thinking and meditating about this, I started and I wondered what would happen to my beloved and precious wife if I had not been born again? This, this, this question just stayed in my mind. What would have happened? She would have lived with a monster. A monster that would have made her life living hell. What happened if I had not died on that day I received Christ? What would have happened not only to her but to my children and to all who have associated with me if that monster who lived in this body did not die with Christ? You see, you might not have realized who you were before you got born again. My mother always used to say when I tried to witness to her son, I said, I'm not a bad person. I have not stolen. I have not killed anybody. I have not done this. I have not done that. No. But the Bible says you have gone your own way. And that's the root of all sin. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I wondered that day, what would have happened? How many people would have suffered as a result of my own selfishness and ungodly living? And how many would have missed out on the blessing of the new creation that I became through the new birth? I would not be standing here ministering to you today. And when I realized that, tears of gratitude, love, and appreciation started running down my face, and I just wept thinking about this. I'm giving you something this morning to consider and to begin to value what God values. then I understood deeply what Paul meant when he said that the things we might face and suffer in this life and all the tests and all the trials that we may go through, he called them momentary and light afflictions when we compare them in the light of this great salvation. Listen to him speaking in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our light affliction, and remember he went through so much and he calls them light affliction. (laughs) Some of us may go through a, a little test and we think it's so big 
And this test or this trial or this challenge overshadows everything else. And we just can't see. He says, our light affliction is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Passion says, we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. That's how you should look at every test, every challenge, every trial, every trial in the light of eternity and in the light of who you are in Christ. When you do that, they become so small and you become so big. We see our difficulties, he says, as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Amen? So, precious family, as I close my message today, I want to remind us by emphasizing this very truth. And just now we're going to come to the table of the Lord and receive communion together. We don't need anything else in this life than what we already have in Christ Jesus. But what we do need, desperately need, is a greater revelation of what we have already received in Christ through our new birth. That's what we need. That's why you find Paul praying for the churches. Never prays for anything else. But primarily, he says, grant them your spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of who you are, in the knowledge of who they are in Christ, and in the knowledge of what they have received through Jesus Christ. That's what he prays for. Because that's the key to everything in life. That's why the devil, his greatest weapon is to blind you to what happened at the cross. Are you listening to me? Every test and every trial that we face in life is aimed as disengaging us or obscuring the great love that God has for us and what he went through in order to bring us to the place of the new birth. And you know what? I realize this. If that happens and we receive that revelation, we won't mind so much if our hair goes gray. (laughs) I'm speaking to the older people now. And our face is filled with wrinkles because we know. What do we know? That though our outward man is decaying or perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Did you know that in Christ you're getting younger every day? Hallelujah. Just like it happens in the physical, it happens the opposite in the spirit. You're getting younger and stronger every single day in your inward man. Hello? (laughs) You see, (laughs) 
When we, when we realize that, listen carefully. I don't understand why so many born-again believers are afraid of death. I fail to understand that. Honestly. We will look at death when we have this revelation in the face and welcome it. Why? Because we know that for the new creation in Christ Jesus, dying is better than living. Hello? You don't believe me? Well, I'll show it to you from the Scriptures. Dying in Christ is better than living on this earth. And many times I get homesick. I say, Lord, it would be far better if I go. But yet I know I'm still needed here. And there are a lot of people that are looking and depending on me still. And there's a lot of work for me to do. But I'm never afraid of dying. Ever. Paul saw it that way because he saw himself as a new creation in Christ. Listen to the statements he made. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through to 24. He said, for me to live. Living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Did he say that? For me to live is Christ, to die, he said, is gain. Listen, gain. I don't know why born-again believers would mourn so much at the death of a saint. We should rejoice and have a party. Because they have gained. Hello? But he says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Listen to this. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be what? Far better for me. But you see, he wasn't selfish. He said, but for your sakes. (laughs) For your sakes. I think I'll choose to stay for a little while longer. What a man. What a revelation he had of the new creation in Christ. You know, this is the man who persecuted the Christians, who killed some of them, and jailed many of them. You know that? But in 2 Corinthians, he writes and he says, I have wronged no man. (laughs) Are you listening? He says, I have wronged no man. I have defrauded no one. That's the man. No, that wasn't the man. The man who did that died. I don't know why people make so much fuss about the physical birthdays. We should celebrate. Listen, I'm, I'm serious. Our spiritual rebirth. I was physically born in 1952 on November the 10th. I died in the month of August, the 6th of August, 1976. And I was born again that week. (laughs) 
Which is more important? Your physical birth on this earth or your rebirth? Why do we value it so little, folks? That's what I want to stress today. Why do we appreciate so little and we consider other things more valuable than this? Paul sternly warned the believers in Corinth not to take lightly what took place at the cross. When Jesus' broken body was offered up as a sacrifice and his blood was shed on our behalf. He warned them, listen, he warned them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 not to treat as common the table of the Lord as they come together as we're going to do today in remembrance of the Lord Jesus and to celebrate the new covenant that was sealed in the precious blood of Jesus. He said, if they do treat this table as common and participate in an unworthy manner, they would open the door and invite in the midst weakness, sickness, and premature death. This, this is serious business. To be born again and to be given a second chance in life, to have our sinful past wiped away and to receive forgiveness of all of our sins and our iniquities is truly the greatest gift our Heavenly Father could ever give us. Would you say amen to that? The psalmist said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You are blessed because the Lord does not impute your iniquities or your sins. He wiped them away, never to be remembered again. And if the devil dares to bring them up to your remembrance, you need to know what to do then. So many fall under this trap because they don't realize that when God forgives, he forgets. And not to approach this wonderful event and to, and to celebrate it in a worthy manner is truly disrespectful and worthy of God's judgment. Before I call Craig to minister and to pray over the emblems, I want you to listen to this clip by Bill Johnson. Everything that the enemy throws at us, whether it's a pandemic, it's a job loss, it's a, any kind of difficulty, a conflict in the home, doesn't matter what it is, somebody who doesn't like you anymore or whatever, all these things that come our way, every single one of them are attempts to disengage us from the love of God, to somehow shut off our awareness of this one who loves us so completely, so fully, so 100% the Father. The enemy works 
through difficulty, through accusation, through temptation, through all kinds of stuff to disengage us from the love of God. And so here he says, keep yourself in the love of God. Listen to this. The greatest reality in your life, usually I say us, but let's just pretend you and I are in my office and I'm talking head to head here, nose to nose. I want to get something across. The greatest reality in your life is the love of God. And if you're not aware of it, you're aware of too many other things. The single greatest reality in every single person's life, the greatest reality in every person's life is this unimaginable, uncomprehendable, extreme expression of the love of God that is reserved just for you. And to not live aware of it is to live aware of the inferior in its place. Everything in life is to be measured by the most important thing. What did he say earlier? He says, if he gave his son, if he went to that kind of an extreme, certainly he would provide everything else for you that is less than that. If he went that far, well, here we are. If the love of God is that extreme and it's just for you and it's just for me, then that greatest reality of everything in existence needs to be dwelt on. Otherwise, I will fall for things that are inferior. Amen. Did you hear that? Keep that before your eyes every single day. Thank God for what he has already done for you. Don't spend too much time asking for things. Spend time thanking him for what he has already given you. And when you do that, the realization and the appreciation of what we have in Christ will grow larger and larger, and you will begin to appreciate our Savior more and more each day. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to the cross, for having loved us with such extravagant love, for going to such an extreme in expressing that love for each and every one of us. May we live every single day in the reality and the realization of the greatness of your love. And may we become more and more thankful, more appreciative what we do have in Christ because truly you've made us wealthy in every sense of the word. We bless you, Father, today. And as we come to this table of appreciation and remembrance, may we approach it with reverence with honor, with faith, with love, in Jesus' name. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, 
Come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.